Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a conversation on The Nest with director Sean Durkin and actress Carrie Coon, moderated by fellow filmmaker Alex Ross Perry. The Nest stars Jude Law and Carrie Coon, who play Rory, an ambitious entrepreneur, and Allison, his American wife. In the film, Rory persuades his wife and their children to leave the comforts of suburban America and return to his native England during the 1980s. Sensing opportunity, Rory rejoins his former firm and leases a centuries-old country manor, with grounds for Allison's horses and plans to build a stable. Soon, the promise of a lucrative new beginning starts to unravel, and the couple has to face the unwelcome truths lying beneath the surface of their marriage. The Nest is now available digitally nationwide, courtesy of IFC Films. Now, let's continue to the talk. Hello everyone, my name is Alicia Dixon and I'm the Development Associate at Film at Lincoln Center. Tonight we are excited to present a Q&A for The Nest featuring the film's director, Sean Durkin, and star Carrie Coon, moderated by filmmaker and friend of FLC, Alex Ross Perry. Now playing in our virtual cinema, we have Manuel de Oliveira's 1981 film, Francisca. Members receive a discount on all rentals in the virtual cinema. We want to take a quick moment to thank IFC for allowing us to screen this film for you, as well as our Q&A participants, Sean, Carrie, and Alex, American Airlines, the official airline of Film at Lincoln Center, and the Blanche and Irving Laurie Foundation for their support. Finally, a special thanks to you, our patrons, for your continued support. None of what we do would be possible without your generosity. And with that, I will turn it over to Alex, Sean, and Carrie for tonight's discussion of The Nest. Hi, um, my name is Alex Ross Perry, and I am here very excited to talk with a longtime friend and former film school colleague of mine, Sean Durkin, and Carrie Kuhn, the star of Sean's film, The Nest, which is now finally being released. Um, and I am very pleased to have both of them here today. So. This is my formal Zoom introduction, my first. Thank you both for being here. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks. I'm incredibly happy to be doing this because uh, I emailed Sean right after Sundance because I loved and was blown away by the film, which at the premiere I had, you know, the rarest of pleasures of knowing nothing, less than nothing. Mm. Nothing about, uh, you know, just one still. Nothing about the mood, the tone, the narrative, anything. So I got to sit there and experience this thing with nothing in my brain, which was mm. truly a delight. But because people, you know, after that haven't had that, my first way of trying to sort of get into discussing the film is, Sean, one of the benefits of asking a filmmaker to do this is I will not ask you the obvious first questions. <laughs> but I will ask questions that if you so choose, you can open them up to the most pedestrian <laughs> table settings. But my first question that I'm curious about um, is just the tone of this film, the, the visual aesthetic, the mood, the color palette is so incongruous with the emotions in the film. It is one of the warmest, most rich and dark films I've seen in years. And the emotions are ice cold and very mm -hmm. frosty. And this I find rewatching it, I mean, this was striking me at the time, but rewatching it just now, is just an overwhelming, compelling decision to kind of have these two separate modes of storytelling. I'm wondering if you could discuss sort of how you built 
the, the aesthetic around the narrative and the narrative into the performances? It's a great question. I mean, I honestly don't know that it's that conscious. Um, I think I, I tend to build things detail by detail. And so um, it's, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's always hard to say exactly how the tone finds itself in, in the film. And, um, but I think, I think I just started with like, like I, I, I wanted to create the upheaval and the isolation that can come from a sudden move and a relocation of a family. Um, and, and then wanted to explore how these secrets that families keep from each other can just lay under the surface of a dynamic and, and what happens when those are no longer hidden. Um, so, you know, I just start with the character and that, and then, and then I, and then I just want to make the place truthful. So I wanted to make the place feel like it was, um, you know, it was too big for them. They were leaving behind a very good life. Uh, you know, I wanted that link to this feeling of, um, you know, that Rory bought into this notion that there's something better around the corner. Um, but it couldn't be so big uh, that you just lose the audience right away. You know, it, it, like I, I wanted to have a place that was ridiculous, but also you could see some potential, like it had a real beauty. So I think some of that warmth um, comes from wanting to maintain that and wanting to have a little bit of that vision that this place could potentially be a home, even if it's misguided. And so I think those things um, end up blending really naturally. And then the one thing I did consciously want to do was, was bring in, um, you know, cinematic elements of a haunting to it because I think the, the, the psychology of living in a place like that, whether it's haunted or not, feels quite haunted. Um, you know, the, the house that we shot in was a very scary place to stand alone in. You know, it, it made sounds, it changed shape, you know, like the door that opens in the morning doesn't open in the afternoon, you know. And so it's very much alive. And the house is 750 years old, I think. Um, and so, yeah, these uh, the, the 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 haunted element of it um, to to like bridge this like comfort that they're looking for and this isolation that they're feeling. And and so Carrie, so you would obviously, I'm curious how long you had had to sort of work with the script and develop the character, and then what it felt like when you, after weeks or months of planning stepped foot onto that location, which to me <laughs> must have felt just so overpowering because presumably the, the script is so specific about the house, but of course that's always subject to what house you're going to shoot in. But then right. what was it like to sort of do your planning and then find yourself in this space? I had just had a, I had had a baby right around the time that I had signed on to do the script. I was gonna have a baby right before we were gonna start shooting it. And so in some ways I was so absorbed in my own family life. And I, of course, whenever you're in that situation, I felt really underprepared, but what I could rely on was that uh, the script was so specific and the relationship dynamics on the page were so clear 
but you know, the relationships between each family member in a way that I just hadn't often seen, <laughs> frankly written. And so uh, we started off in Toronto and I was there alone with like a nanny and a baby and they, they'd found this perfect, you know, warm house where this family had essentially, you didn't have to change much about the house. I think they were still smoking in there even. <laughs> so it felt like an 80s house. And um, we, had a, we had a really organic meeting. The family had a very organic um, uh, chemistry right away. And I, I attribute that partly to just Sean's careful process of casting. And he has a really good sense of who's gonna fit. And so it was immediate. We felt really, um, we felt really close. And then to go to that house in England, we were outside of Oxfordshire. And I think I hadn't actually seen it or been in it until we shot the drive into seeing it for the first time. And that facade, when you're just driving up to it is, you know, you don't have to act anything. It's, it's just a way of living that I, I can't personally, I have no personal relationship to living that way or making that choice or having a history that long, having medieval architecture anywhere, <laughs> you know? So it's pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty astonishing choice. And I also loved hearing about Sean's process and how all the different places he looked at to try to make that decision. But to see, you know, uh, Jude Law bounding out of that front door is just, it's comical, really. You know, it sort of struck me as really comical. And for me, though, you know, the, the, the film feels warm and there's, there's some iciness and some distance because of the, you know, what, what are the obstacles the family's struggling with. There's also, it always felt really kind of absurd and, and humorous to me, too. Um, and then, of course, like Sean was saying, the house itself had its own personality. I mean, you'd be shooting a scene and suddenly Robert, the patriarch, would come through a bookcase to get his reading class. You know? <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were back there. <laughs> or that that opened. So there were all kinds of surprises. I also remember, Sean, the first time we, we were putting our American furniture in the British house and it was supposed to feel like small and like it couldn't fill the space and it looked awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we were all like, I would yeah. totally live here. I could totally live here. So, you know, there was some, also just some really, it was just like a delightful space, you know? So the, so the people whose houses, they were there while you were shooting. They just gave yeah. you part of the building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, they had a whole, yeah, they had a whole, there's like a whole other wing that's not in the movie that they live in. Wow. Yeah. They actually don't live in the main house because it's too hard to eat. It's too cold. So uh -huh. I think they're and it's beautiful. Like, you know, they, they have weddings there. And our production team made it look, I didn't realize that they had made it look more run down and older than it was. It was actually in beautiful shape. I didn't yeah. realize that was all craftsmanship. It was really astonishing to me. Interesting. Um, well, so since you mentioned, you know, how much of the, the material and how much of what you needed to sort of ingest prior to filming was, was on the page, I, I wanted to talk about that because Sean, after Sundance, I emailed you saying, I would be very surprised if you were not a fan of the novels of Richard Yates. And you said, uh, I am not, I don't know them. Um, and I was surprised. And then watching the, uh, the film again, the other writer that sort of I wanted to ask about was, uh, was Harold Pinter, who also seems like very much in the DNA. The Yates I mentioned to you because there's so much anguish in this film about a family dynamic, and yet it is so understated and very raw. And then watching the film again, thinking about Pinter having recently watched a bunch of films that he wrote. There's so much about class and money and these hyper theatrical scenes. I was just looking again at the sort of scene where Carrie, you're talking to Jude Law's character about sleeping in the office and it's you know, gotta be a three minute shot of just the two of you in this space. 
And it really does feel quite stagey. And I say that as the highest form of praise. So I'm wondering, you know, where your literary influences were with these characters and how the script sort of took shape around that. Yeah, I um, actually, it's funny you mentioned Pinter because I, I didn't think of it until very recently when I was, I was being interviewed and a journalist said, um, the central theme of the movie is betrayal. And it clicked <laughs> and I was like, uh. <laughs> because uh, when I read Betrayal for the first time, um, when we were at NYU actually, uh, in a directing class, like I think someone gave it to me as a gift because uh, they thought I would like it. And I read it for the first time. And um, yeah, it made a huge, huge impact on me. Um, so, uh, you know, I haven't, I think I saw it maybe six years ago, uh, but I haven't read it since. It wasn't, it wasn't consciously there, but it was absolutely subconsciously there. Mm -hmm. um, and... Have you since gotten a Richard Yates book since I recommended this? I have not, sorry. <laughs> okay, there's still time. I, you know, it's hard to read <laughs> these days. Sure. <laughs> With a four and a half year old. Uh, or it's or it's the only thing that you can do to pass the time where we can't go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm only reading kids' books right now. Well, someday when you get around to it, think I, about well, how much I can't that wait. Was, that was that was on my mind. Well, then off of that, then, and you mentioned this already. You said you sort of were drawn towards the obviously I'm mentioning very literary, very theatrical influences, but you mentioned being drawn towards the sort of ghost nature of this. And I can't emphasize this enough, watching the film for the first time at the premiere with, with everybody for the first time, we did not know, is there going to be an hour into this film, literal supernatural elements, or is this going to turn into The Shining? Is, he, is this guy going to come home with an ax or is she going to pick up? a knife one day when she starts, you know, there's, there is this, this feeling that the, the film and the story is driving towards and never quite gets at, but sees out the window almost of this sort of uh, horrifying feeling. And, and it's such an intelligent decision to use those tropes, but not actually in the narrative, just in the mood and the feeling and the performances. So, you know, wh where, where does that line rest for both of you in terms of wanting to play with these, uh, these ideas, but not actually make a movie that is them? Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the haunting is, uh, is themselves, is, the, is these um, agreements that they sign, in, sign up for with each other. You know, it's, um, it's these unsaid things in fan that um, sort of normalize and when they come out, they are, uh, it's, it's like a ghost. It's, 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 and it is scary. And it's, and it's the, it's, I think I'm, I'm interested in like the, the psychological effects of those things being very similar to a haunting. Um, the things that you can't see that you're afraid of. Um, and so, and again, like I said about the house, like I, spending time in houses like this, it's, it's whether, whether there are ghosts there or not, it's, it's just scary. And it just emphasizes like the, 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 the psychology of this sort of distrust and this isolation 
that this family's feeling from, from this move and living here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say you can't, um, as an actor, you can't play genre any more than you can play theme. You know, you play action. And the nice thing is that, as you pointed out, Alex, the, those elements were sort of part of the edit, but they weren't necessarily part of something incumbent upon me to make alive. What I had to do was sort of ask, what does Allison want and what is she doing to get it? And those, those dynamics, again, because the script is so well written, are really clear. And the tones of the scenes, I thought, were, were very um, apparent to me. There wasn't a lot of mystery in terms of, uh, you know, what Sean was looking for on the page because it's so well done. And the nice thing about acting in a, in a drama that has horror elements but isn't a horror movie is that I've done that. And it's just a lot of me making faces, like making scared faces and taking sharp breaths. So it's fun to play in that genre, but you know, like a real person, I'm just putting on, I'm just putting on scared face. So, um, so I didn't really have to worry about it that much. I got to worry about my family, you know, and worry about, um, you know, how, how women who have to ground their families even even when they're feeling uh, fragile themselves. And that all felt like absolutely women that I knew. Mm -hmm. And the marriage to me felt like, in some ways, my parents' marriage in the 80s was uh, strikingly egalitarian for its time. And so all of that felt really just real to me. So there was no element of the supernatural in the, you know, in the Yeah, expression. I mean, and rewatching the film, and I, I see about an hour in the scene where you're kind of saying, did you unlock these doors? What's happening here? And this is so textbook out of a different kind of movie and then a few scenes later you're at a dinner with the colleagues and giving this guy you know the business about being a phony in front of people and to me these are two different types of scenes with two different types of drive and yet they're a few minutes apart in the same film and somehow there's this magic between them as you're saying perhaps unified by the consistency of the fact that you're the the, the thing in both of those scenes that's kind of the motor mm. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing, right? That it that it all works. I um yeah, it, it's funny. Like the, the link I think between those scenes is that the thing about sort of flirting with the edge of you know a haunted house story is was for me deciding like what those moments were and and you know the moment of like locking up the houses, uh, locking up the doors in the house, and is is about the mistrust that Allison now has for not only her husband, she's starting to have it for her kids. Um, and, and so it's that, that, that seed that's, that's, you know, planted that, that is like separating the family. Um, but really all that scene is, is that Rory came home and left that door open because he's standing there, you know, a minute later. And so it's, so it was about those things, but also then, um, like the weirdness of, you know, discovering the horse and 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 those elements. Um, you know, th those are those are actually like like something like that, which is, you know, could could be sort of seen going towards the supernatural side is actually like a very personal detail from my life. So. Um, mm. When I was a kid, I discovered a, a horse like that that wasn't buried deep enough and and so um, I think it's also grounding, uh, grounding those moments in some real experience that is really based in, in trust and mistrust and, mm -hmm. 
And then wait, as a viewer, I have to say, what I think is so smart about what you're doing, Sean, is that the other thing that's true is that those, those rhythms of that genre operate on the bodies of the people watching it. So they have a schema for how they watch a horror movie. And then what you've done is mapped on top of that, this sort of emotional, psychological dissolution of this you know, family dynamic. And so they're having a visceral experience of horror, but they're actually experiencing the disease that, that has to do with you know, a, a family psychodrama. And I think, it's so, um, I think it's such a palpable way to engage an audience in a story. Yeah, well, that's the, the sort of combination of the two when I was rewatching the movie. Immediately, you know, when I saw it for the first time, I thought this is such a deep, rich film. I, I'm excited to think about this. And I'm sure I'll see this again someday. Of course, at the time, I thought that would be in a theater here in New York for a screening. <laughs> but then rewatching it now, it did this sort of magical thing that I love. And I just over the Halloween season, rewatched Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. And then coming to this film again, just now, the first time I watched it, it seems like this is a story about a guy who is really trying against all odds to make a better life for his family and is losing his grasp. And then watching it again, second or third shot of the movie is him on the phone, placing a call that we, on my second viewing, I know is him essentially asking if he can come have this other opportunity, or at least that's where my mind went. Whereas the first time it seems, you know, it's sort of a surprise halfway through the film when it's sort of revealed that he wasn't offered this, he asked for it. And then much like Rosemary's Baby, a subsequent viewing shows all the points where she should not be taking him at face value because we already know the end result of what he's currently doing. First time you start to think, oh, maybe this guy is lying a little bit. And then now I'm thinking everything he says from the very first, after that first phone call has to be a lie. How did that sort of you know, track through the performances? Was that something that you needed to really say, like, I know by now I believe him and I know by now the cracks are forming? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Because we didn't exactly shoot in order. So it's always good to be reminded where you are in a story, of course. But I still think there was something about this movie that um, the, the, the moments themselves felt so crafted and crystal clear. And in fact, I think, Sean, in the edit, because some of the scenes with the kids actually had to be removed when you were distilling the theme of the movie down, um, you actually did change the order of a couple of things. And I think it's a real testament to the script that um, it, in some ways, unlike a lot of other projects I've worked on, the, the order of the storytelling I didn't think about it as much as I normally do in process. I, I didn't worry about, about making sure I knew exactly where I was inside of that dynamic because, well, because I trusted you because you trusted us. You know, there was something about working on those scenes individually that felt like a, a pinter play. You know, in a pinter play, the, in the scenes in Betrayal, all those scenes being told in the order they're being told in, right, which is backwards, um, they can all stand alone and have their own resonance. And I feel like the film works that way too. And now that you point that out, Alex, I don't think I was as preoccupied with my responsibility in marking where I was as an actor as I was maybe in other projects. Yeah, I think, I think also, and, and sort of going back to what you were saying, sort of asking before Alex about like almost having a stage quality to it. I think mm -hmm. we, um, yeah, I think we focus so much on individual scenes and individual moments and just, making those feel like a marriage, like a complex mm -hmm. marriage. Um, 
that we didn't um, look as much at the at the overview, I think, and and we really just focused on each detail and um, you know following like following Rory like because why why wouldn't why wouldn't we you know and that's sort of the mentality of the family in a way and and there wasn't a choice and so you just do it and you try to you know adjust and 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 get settled and accept the new life that you're in and so it was it was very much that level of detail and and so so like one of the most memorable days we had we for me was um we shot every scene in the bedroom in England between the two, between yeah. Carrie and Jude. We shot, I think there was six or seven scenes, maybe. I, it's hard to remember, but we shot them all in one day in order of the script. So it was like, and it was very few of us in the room. And so it was like, it was felt like doing a play and it felt like we were doing, um, we were capturing the essence of an entire marriage in one day and a handful of scenes. Um, and so, so yeah, I think it, it was just about those, just trying to capture those details and knowing that if those details were right and that there's warmth in this marriage, you'll believe, you know, following, following the lies. One of those scenes, if I'm remembering correctly, is him asking her for cash and her saying, you have to leave the room yeah. so you don't see where I'm hiding. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's not a, that's like a meal of a scene to hear that you've done that in the middle of a day of the entire other arc of the bedroom <laughs> story is quite, quite, quite interesting. I mean, that, that's a real, that mean, to me, that scene really stands out because it gets just without even making too much of a fuss about it, it gets it one of the most unpleasant aspects of relationships, which is talking about money, which the movie largely focuses on throughout most of its middle and second half. And I remember when we were playing that scene, Sean, the only real debate about how it was going to unfold was that 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 moment we talked about whether or not we were looking at each other when I gave him the money, whether my hand was going to come out the door or his hand would come in the door. It was so interesting to me that that little detail of the storytelling of like how the money changed hands and then the way the scene took place. Was it through a closed door after that? That's what I remember about shooting that scene I was trying to figure out that sort of piece of the puzzle. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, how, how much yeah, how much interaction would there be after that moment? Or it's like, it's, you know, and then deciding sort of like, it's like almost like you're, Allison agrees without ever saying yes, and then can't look at him, you know, it's such mm -hmm. a, yeah. It's, a, it's, it was a fun, it was a fun scene to find. Mm -hmm. And it's so intimate too, because it reveals a, you know, it's a, it's obviously a pattern that's yeah. unfolded before, either he's found the box and emptied it. You know, there's a real, there's a real suggestion of history in that gesture that I always really liked about it. Where, where did the sort of, uh, <clears throat> the sort of impetus come from to sort of deal with money and the, the sort of external and emotional pressures of that, such a specific time and place? Childhood. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if I'm honest. Sure. Well, please, please be honest. Uh, um, we're here. We're here for this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's um, th this movie started for me as a reflection on childhood, and um, and a lot of it is 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 about that and about reflecting on um, 
you know, my parents and them, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a straight representation, obviously. Um, but, but there was, there was this, uh, restlessness that they had and, and, uh, I think they always felt there was a better life around the corner and they were always chasing something and, um, would never quite find it. And, it, you know, I think it's, I think it's sad to like chase, uh, I guess like the idea of like chasing money and success and, and never, never quite reaching whatever that notion is because that notion isn't real. Um, and so, and, and then, you know, and then I became a parent while writing this, you know, I started this, I started this script in 2014. I just got divorced. I had moved out of my home. I was living out of a duffel bag at a friend's house. And, and, and sort of over the course of writing the script over the next four years, rebuilt my life and um, had a child and got married. And, and, and so I, I, it went from being a reflection on childhood to also being a reflection on parenthood and, and um, you know, being an adult working in the world and asking questions of success and, and, and finances. And so um, it's all of that. Yeah. No, I, I know nothing about the culture of where and when this movie takes place. And I know nothing about what his job seems to be. And yet as an artist, the scenes where he goes, they might have this big thing coming soon and it could be great for me and for us is oddly relatable considering <laughs> yeah. I don't even really know what yeah. his job is. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's the hope that there's that that thing around the corner, right? That you know, it's going to change your life or make it more stable, or yeah. And then you find out after the fact that it just didn't happen for some strange reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so so Carrie, I, I want to ask. I think one of my favorite aspects of watching your performances, just in, in anything, is I, I feel like you're always given so much to play with for themes of overwhelming loss or grief or removal. Um, I really felt like this was something you built over years on The Leftovers and uh, saw this uh, on, on stage in New York in a play I saw you in called Mary Jane, mm. which if people haven't seen it, you know, you play a mother uh, of a very, very terminally ill child who we never really see, we never see it all, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And it's just sort of watching this mother deal with this slow pulling away of this life force. And, and this film, again, not only everything Sean's talking about, the home, the emotions, but really the children. And then ultimately the horse, it again is this watching you sort of have this full divide of just things slipping away and watching you deal with that in this film to sort of explosive and exciting uh, you know, degrees without thinking of the dancing and the sort of outbursts mm -hmm. that she has towards the end. I'm wondering if you, you know, feel like this is a continuation of the work that you have been doing for years or, or where this sort of fits in in your mind of how you like to approach characters. Mm, that's an interesting question because I hadn't, it's funny, I hadn't drawn as many direct parallels, but I think so often stories about women have to do somehow with subtraction Maybe that's because we disappear as we get older. And so I think a slipping away is a pretty 
a, a pretty typical way to enter a female narrative. One of the things I love about Mary Jane, which you pointed out, is I don't think it has the typical Aristotelian structure of, you know, storytelling. It doesn't have the kind of rising action and then this peak and then this falling moment. There's something very, um, it's like a winding up. And, and I feel like Allison, you know, operates in a similar way. The story of Allison is, is a kind of like winding tension until it has to spring open. And I guess the difference I would point to about this story and some of the other work is that what it really struck me about the script was how it was about marriage without infidelity, without the death of a child, without a divorce. And so all of the typical tragedies of marriage stories just weren't a part of it. It was really just about the dynamics of marriage. And in that regard, it felt really truthful to me. And it felt, it felt like a, she was a more full woman than I often read in a marriage story. And I think one of the reasons for that, that is how Sean, um, one of the things Sean asks about the role is that she's, um, she's got a foot in a mucking stall and one foot in this, you know, fantasy life of being a rich person. And to have to occupy, kind of straddle both of those worlds was a really interesting I don't know, dynamic to have to, to play into. But I didn't really think too much about it in the context of other work. It was thrilling to be a leading lady in a movie, you know, that was actually good. <laughs> so I don't get to take a crack at those very often because I'm at the bottom of the list. <laughs> so, and so few of them get made every year, you know, but- um, It seems like an oversight that. on somebody's part, that, if that is true. <laughs> And this truly is, I mean, you know, your story. I mean, obviously it's uh, as much of a, a co-lead film as any I can think of. And yet you are often foregrounded in the frame. You are often in focus when uh, the Jude Law character is out of focus. And almost any other version of this movie does not devote time to showing your character throwing bales of hay mm -hmm. over the fence at her new job. It sort of allows her to be, you know, a few wonderful scenes while this guy goes on his journey. Right. And yet we see him equally with his mother as we see her just alone at home, which is the hardest kind of thing in my experience to write, shoot, and perform. Not that I know how to perform it, but it's just a strange thing to see. You know, this is a very, very important emotional scene. It comes at an important part in the movie, but what it is on the page is just Alice in his home by herself, walking around, looking at things. And sometimes, you know, to me, that's the most exciting thing to watch because an actor can play the a hundred ways because there's no scene partner and, and you mm -hmm. have so much of that in this film which is very rare to see that much of an even balance. I agree. I agree and I, I think it's unfortunate not just for actresses who would like to have good jobs but just for you know women who are watching films and, and rarely see the women that they know and it's you know my husband's a playwright and he, I feel that my husband happens to also write uh, really fully realized women you know, men can do it. It's not that only women can do it, but more often than not, it's men that are getting the opportunities to tell those stories. And so when it's done well, it's a real pleasure to act, you know, and when you work with somebody like Sean, who actually does respect women, or with my husband who thinks they're the superior gender in every way, then there's an opportunity there to, you know, to really get to sink your teeth into something. And, you know, it's just sad that so often as we get, as women get more interesting, our stories diminish. And Alex, you know, you're a, you're a magnificent, uh, storyteller and holder of women in your own work and so um i don't know what separates the men from the boys regarding uh how those parts get written but but you guys go in my good book well thank you <laughs> i mean there, there is you know like you say and i'm uh, uh, sort of as a writer i'm curious what sean's answer to this is as well but you brought it up 
you play these scenes where, you know, there's this sort of very spiritual freedom that the character seems to have when she's not with her husband, when she's with the horse, when she's, when she's outside, when she's dirty, and then this sort of protected fur coat um, performance that she has to do at other times. And to me, you know, that is a, a true dichotomy in this woman's uh, life. And, and you really play those scenes with equal integrity. And it seems not like, oh, she's just sort of posturing as one or the other. She really is upper class, but she really always wanted to be sort of a farm girl, or she really is just from the dirt and always wanted to have nice things. It's really unclear. He sort of alludes to the background, but I'm wondering how specific Sean was your sort of thinking of that was there a deeper backstory or was that sort of then created in collaboration and, and you know just to, to really figure out who this woman is when she's in these two different spaces yeah I, I I just um people are more than one thing you know we're all more than one thing and and so often in movies characters get boiled down to being one thing or there's only room for one side of them and so I'm always looking to have characters that are multifaceted and uh and and with Allison yeah she was you know it was very detailed backstory I don't I don't think we necessarily talked about it because I think what was uh you know needed to be known made it into the script and then I sort of believe in, you know, whatever is best for the actor. If the actor wants to talk about backstory, you know, I'm happy to do that for months. Or like <laughs> with Carrie, yeah, she'll read it once and say, okay, I'll see you there. And I'm like, great, <laughs> awesome, I'll see you there. And, and so for me, it's about tr trusting, trusting that relationships. And I love both ways of working. Um, but I, I've certainly figured out like exactly how this person came to be and, um, you know, collected a lot of details. I mean, a lot of stuff just comes from uh, things I've seen and people I've known and, and a collection of just really interesting people that I've observed and they sort of feed into, into a character as, a, as I'm writing it. Yeah, I mean, something that this movie does, they, you know, I, I feel like actors say sometimes something like, you know, you can learn as much about the character from the scenes that they're not in. Mm. So things like that, because of the way that they're talked about or the way that their other characters act removed from them. And we have a moment here where when things are quite bad in this marriage, uh, the, you know, the, the husband, the Rory character goes to his mom and says, you know, I have a wife, a beautiful blonde American. And it's in that moment, like, he doesn't actually perceive these issues as being so severe that he even has to acknowledge them. He just seems to, at that point, feel like he wants to almost still put her out front and say, this woman's presence in my life makes me worthy or something. And that feels like a great way to sort of find little moments from other scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it, it's like in, in a certain circumstance like Rory will put Allison out and as like arm candy but the truth is he loves her for all her complexities and we see that in the movie too so it's like it's it's again that duality and 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 also in the scene of the mother like it's interesting to, I always love to hear people's reactions to where he shows the photo and Sam's not in the photo and he doesn't mention his 
his daughter, his stepdaughter, and 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 it's I love to hear people's reactions to that because for me that says as much about it says maybe more about his mother than it does about him in a way. Mm. Um, but it's such a moments like that are so personal to the viewer, and I, I just love hearing, uh, yeah, people's takes on that and the response to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carrie, you, you shared recently online a, a quite staggering uh, proof of your, your quarantine film log, <laughs> which I found while, while, while preparing for this. this. This to me betrays, you know, an actor of immense uh, history and, and resources of sort of the pantheon of, of I mean, I, I zoomed in on this photo. Uh, I mean, there's a pretty, pretty wild assortment. <laughs> like of you know ho classical hollywood films and japanese horror movies and, and just yeah. everything in the middle i'm wondering you know that seems like an omnivorous taste how much <laughs> do you sort of look to things you love that, that there are records of when you're trying to figure things out or is this just sort of your way of reminding yourself constantly every night uh, perhaps with a film what it is that can be so great about this mm. I have the great benefit of being married to a hoarder of films. So my husband has this extraordinary collection of DVDs in our basement and he has a, an encyclopedic memory for them. And one of the great things about our marriage is that I am completely open to whatever it is he has an appetite for because, you know, I grew up in a, in a small town and I grew up watching old black and white films with my grandparents, but pretty traditional taste, you know, we were watching, a Philadelphia Story and Sabrina and Bridge on the River Kwai. So I had a, I had taste when I was young, but it's really delightful to be married to someone who has a much more eclectic experience of film than I have. And so I think I have found that, as you might imagine, I've gravitated toward um, what, what sticks in my mind are, you know, great female performances, uh, filmmakers that are women that are working in Europe that I had no idea existed, that don't sort of operate the same way here. Um, and, and I do look to performance as an inspiration. You know, I look at Isabelle Huppert, who, who by all, does nothing. You know, like, her face won't change, and yet, there is a whole, there's a whole um, emotional, like, arc she goes through in a, on, in, a, in a frame. And she has not, it's apparently changed her face. And I find that kind of acting really extraordinary. And then you go to Cassavetes. And I love that there's so much size in those performances, and yet they're always very truthful. So I love that in exploring different kinds of film, you can see what it can hold. You know, it can hold a lot. Um, and so in my own work, I know it's inspired me maybe to pull back a little bit and see what I can get away with. Um, but also reminds me that there is a space for robust expression um, in film. And like the scene where, you know, Allison's dragging the horse out of the ground. Sean, we shot that a number of times and some of it was more vigorous and athletic and dramatic than other times. And um, I think the choice we, that you made it for the film is actually somewhere in the middle, but um, I don't know, I do find it inspiring. I, I kind of just rambled on and on, but I, sometimes I also just see a European film and I think we should all just quit acting. You know, like you watch Kieselowski and you're like, these are lay people off the street. Why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. Because they're so deeply truthful, but it's always, you know, it's delightful. And anybody who doesn't watch foreign films is just such a, it's just missing out, aren't they? It is, it is depressing, um, <laughs> you know, to, to, for me, obviously not this year. We're here at Film Society Q&A, you know, go to the New York Film Festival and see 15 films 
12 of which are foreign, and be yeah. reminded that I can't even really be inspired by these because these, these writers and directors and, and artists and actors are given time, space, trust, oh. and freedom that we, yes. we can't even, we can't copy what they're doing no. because we're not, it, it's not even the same thing. It's like, it's like no, football it's and rugby. It looks kind of the same, but it's not at all the same. You're and it's depressing right. because then I think, it God, is. these movies when are I so great. But they are, you know. I talk to theater actors in Europe and they can't believe the way we live. <laughs> they can't believe, you know, that we have to qualify for our health insurance, and that we have to do eight shows a week and that we're not just working in rep and making a salary. I mean, they just find it shocking the way artists have to live here. And in some ways it's a miracle anything's ever good. Well, that was what I felt watching this film, which seems both of America and of a very European sensibility. Mm. I believe it's a, a, a Hungarian DP. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Matthias Erdely. So there just is in the, in the DNA of this, uh, you know, you're pulling those, those spiritual influences into your story and into your movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also very, very English, you know? Um, I mean, one of my biggest influences is Alan Clark, who mm. um, just, you know, portrays a very different side of England than this, but always it's a, it's a look into a very truthful pocket of English society. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and truthful and not always entirely naturalistic, like can be quite big, can be quite, um, you know, theatrical, but just always a, a truth and a texture. And so I really wanted to, create something similar here for you know for that like a look into this very specific place in england and and you know i i actually i haven't actually made a movie here in you know nine years i mean i've shot the last two things i've shot were in england and um maybe that's not an accident i don't know i mean not for lack of trying um but so I don't know. But even I, as I, I imagine, you know, the, the support or the financing or the infrastructure you get from British financiers and producers just allows you to have a little bit more time, trust, freedom, all the things that money can't buy. Yeah. So it and, just and sort of comes with the spiritual faith in, in the, the process of creating that for whatever reason, other cultures have really grabbed onto. And this, you know, I mean, you could show this film to somebody and say, oh, this is this, you know, 50 year old working class British man. He made this film and <laughs> go, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly mm -hmm. who I thought was making it when I watched it. And yet, that could not be further from the truth. And yet you've gone to this place. Um, and much like Alan Clark, you're saying, I mean, he shot with a real sense of visual gusto. I mean, he filmed a lot of plays as TV movies. Mm, yeah. And then they become this sort of theatrical thing with these long steady cam shots down these total working class roads. And yet somehow it's both cinema and theater. And yeah. that's something that you, you know, if that was a major inspiration, you really did nail that in this film. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, and I, I think I, I did get to work in that way that you're describing. I mean, um, and and it and it was you know and and Film Nation fund the movie and so you know there is American company involved and but having you know my producers in England and um, just really create that environment and uh, you know I did have that freedom and support to to really discover this movie. 
I will ask a very, you know, this is something that someone would raise their hand and say, but I actually am curious. How long did you shoot for? 35 days. Was it 35? Yeah, yeah. we had 35 shoot days, but we had um, a slightly weird schedule because we shot, um, we shot in Toronto for a week doing the American stuff. And then we went to England and we had a two week break to sort of get back into prep. And then we had some major location issues. Like we couldn't get into the house until October 1st. And so, but we only had like seven other shoot days outside of the house. And so then we had like a couple of three day weeks. So it was, it was kind of a, it was a weird shoot, but it was, um, but it was really, it was really great. So we sort of, stretched it out and and I was a bit nervous about that because I really like once I'm going I want to just be going but it actually forced me to be um a bit more I don't know like restful mm-hmm. in it and I think it I think it definitely helped like it, it certainly didn't feel like a strenuous shoot I mean I don't think until the maybe the last couple days I think three days before we wrapped you could just feel everyone was done but that's <laughs> like it's amazing to get that that far without that feeling yeah it was one, a very one... calm set. Yeah. Sorry, Carrie, I cut you It off. was very calm. And I have to say, I've never seen anything quite like the relationship that Sean and Matthias had. Because I'm telling you, they would both be standing next to each other like this, looking at the frame, looking at the room. And then they would make a decision wordlessly, and we would move forward. And it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It was absolutely te- telepathic. And I found that after a few weeks, I, would, I was absolutely enrolled in the communication. So Matius would say, Carrie, and I would say, okay. <laughs> and I've never experienced anything like it, but it felt, I don't know, spiritual or I don't know what it was. Very, <laughs> yeah. but very comfortable. Well, it, it certainly seems like every single person from the top on down was very locked in on knowing exactly what film they were making. Nothing in this seems even remotely out of step with a highly specific and meticulous tone and mood and atmosphere. From the very beginning, it seems like that was clear throughout. And um, I really, I really love this film. And I, I was really, uh, I'm, uh, I feel like we're, I've gone way over, but that's only because <laughs> I left before the Q&A at Sundance so, and I have not had any press. So I actually just wanted to know all these things. Um, so it's actually exciting for me, and I've obviously taken up plenty of time, but truly a, a terrific, deep, textured, incredibly sophisticated piece of writing, directing, acting, filmmaking. Uh, I'm very flattered that you asked me to do this. I really hope people connect with this film in the way that I have. And, um, you know, there's nothing more to say. It's terrific. And congratulations to both of you. And thank you for, for doing this. Thank you so thank much, you. Alex. Thank you for doing it. Really appreciate it. Yeah.